You're listening to Journeys, a bite-sized podcast produced by Comma DC, a nonprofit organization that provides a platform for immigrants and the DMV community to share their stories, skills, and ideas. I'm your host, Ben Jaffe, and this is part one of our interview with today's guest, Paula Salas. Paula Salas is originally from Panama, but came to the United States at eight years old as a self-described army brat, and has been residing in the DMV for over three years. She currently works in science policy for an advocacy group on K Street, and will be going off to grad school in the fall to pursue a joint master's in public policy and international affairs at McGill University in Montreal and John Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. Uh, Bonus, her favorite DC establishment, Songbird, which is a great place in Adams Morgan that I would also personally recommend to all. Opala, I'll pass it off to you. Hi, everyone. Um, It's a pleasure to uh, be here and chatting about um, just like the different immigrant experiences. Um, I think really it's worth beginning with that first impression of DC, right? Everyone has you know, that idealized notion of what DC is, you know, you see, you think of Capitol Hill, you think of the mall, you think of how much possibility there is in this city. And I think the real treat is also what you discover beyond just, you know, the mall, the Capitol, and of course, you know, the tourist traps. My first time in DC was actually when I was 13 years old, I came up on a week-long youth leadership development program called People to People that was identified, where I was identified by teachers for my strong leadership potential. And so they sent me up here to learn a little bit about just what it takes to be a global change maker. And um, it was really great because I, at 13, I told myself, oh, I'm going to live here one day, very defiantly. And it's really interesting that I actually moved here 10 years later at the age of 23 to make my my go at life in DC. When I first came here, I really felt like uh, DC was, was a little bit concerned about just like the political energy. I studied political science in undergraduate, but I didn't want that to just be my entire life. And my perception of DC is that that's all that DC was. It's just all politics all the time. Uh, I moved here without a job. So I really was kind of throwing myself to the wind. And uh, I did find that as I was introducing myself to people and trying to build a network, it really was reliant upon what I did for a living. So, you know, you'd go to the networking happy hours. And the first question was, so what do you do? And uh, as you can imagine, uh, I didn't have a rehearsed answer for that. Um, I would launch into this whole narrative of like, yeah, well, I was working in human rights in Charlottesville, Virginia. And then I decided to try my luck up here, but I don't have a job, but I'm currently looking. And you could just like imagine people's eyes glazing over as I tried to explain why I didn't currently have a direct answer to what do you do? So... uh, So uh, eventually I did find a job with a great organization called the Union of Concerned Scientists. And that's where I've been uh, for the past three years, uh, working at the intersection of science and democracy at the federal level. And how did you end up getting more civically involved? And what made you see DC as more than uh, just the political capital of the United States? Right, so as you 
kind of settle into your life in DC, which we all know that pre-COVID, it's a very hustle bustle type of lifestyle, right? You're commuting to and from work, then you've got the networking happy hours and you've got the like myriad of cultural events. And next thing you know, it's like 10, 11 PM before you're getting home and you're exhausted, right? You know, once that, that hustle and bustle kind of dies down a little bit and you're kind of used to it, at least for me, I started, I started feeling like, I wanted a little bit more. I didn't have a lot of knowledge about the DMV area other than, you know, this perception of just like it's politicos and, you know, this perception of everybody here is really fascinating and interesting and they want to change the world. That's why they come here, right? Um, But I didn't really know anything about the historic uh, and cultural aspects of DC. So I'm, you know, for me, I didn't even know it was known as Chocolate City. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know that the DMV was home to the largest diaspora of Salvadorians. Um, you know, short of Los Angeles, I had no idea it was such a thriving Ethiopian community, or that you know Chinatown actually used to be a vibrant enclave of Asians and Asians in in the middle of the city, smack dab in the middle of the city. So. That kind of curiosity really started through the cultural and artistic aspects. I knew that I wanted to balance out um, kind of the political side of DC, really seeking out those creative and artistic spaces. So I started plugging in with local artists, local initiatives, initiatives like No Kings DC that um, really are bringing innovative um, and very, very creative installations and to the community, also showcasing the local artistry. Uh, Place like Songbird to, to me is also really great because it allows for the local music scene to thrive as well as up and coming acts. It's also a place where you can take and dance. Um, they have Cuban salsa on um, Agua Nights, the second Friday of every month. For me, that was really a wonderful way to learn about DC through the arts and cultures. Naturally, as someone who's very uh, civically minded, I also wanted to plug in with the communities here as I was learning more about them. DC is such a transient place where um, people come and go all the time, uh, people bounce in and out, but they were so focused on the changing the world at the federal level and the international level. But I think sometimes we forget to plug in to our very communities. Sometimes we forget to listen to city council meetings or um, to attend locally focused rallies on behalf of the communities that have been here way before the waves of gentrification, way before you know this n- new wave of like young progressive energy that's been that, that swipes in and out with the different administrations. So knowing that I really wanted to plug in at the local level. Uh, So I started actually working with Sanctuary DMV. They had just kind of gotten started in the the Trump era, providing mutual aid and services and and really raising awareness for ICE involvement um, and maneuvers in the city, uh, which was really surprising to learn about. And just like how even though DC doesn't want to cooperate, says they don't cooperate with ICE, there's still 
um, ways in which ICE um, still carries out their jobs and, and ways in which local hotels collaborate with ICE. So that was a way that I started learning more about the undocumented community in DC. I also started teaching English at All Souls um, Unitarian Church, and this was teaching English to other immigrants as well, which for me is something that I had done previously in, in college. And I found really helpful as an immigrant, you know, it's, it's my way of giving back, right? From there, I just kind of build up as well uh, to political engagement. So this past DC council election cycle, I was heavily involved with campaigning on behalf of Janice Lewis George, who is now the Ward 4 council member for DC City Council, and also for Ed Lazier and his campaign for uh, the at-large candidacy to the city council. It was through my involvement with these campaigns, which was happening through the Democratic Socialists of America. And, you know, this is happening along the backdrop of a pandemic, a, you know, racial justice uprising, real widespread calls for, for addressing the deep societal inequalities that are present, that I feel like I really got a sense of what DC really is about. For me, this is being involved civically is about not wanting to feel detached, wanting to be connected locally, even if my work might be more federal in, in, in its aspect. And I think it is important for everyone, um, regardless of why they come to DC, to at least be plugged in because um, people come and go, but there are residents, there are longtime DC residents who often feel overlooked by the you know, white collar working class of this city, also feel pushed out by the white, work, white collar working class of this city. And I say that as, some, as someone who would be considered white collar working class. So the benefit of being plugged in is certainly how plugged in I feel. It's encouraged me to be more engaged in my community attend more events, make uh, connections, introduce myself to people in my community. And it's also attracted me to more hyper-local uh, publications like the city newspaper, not just reading Washington Post, but you know, really reading the hyper-local uh, publications that we have. How do you think your perspective most changed as you got to see the city more you know, from the local side to the local perspective itself, rather than just the federal side? So I think the best way to answer that is actually to give a little anecdote, if I can. You know, I think it was like summer of 2019, you know, that hot, like mid-July summer evenings. Worst time ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah worst time ever. It's so muggy here, mm. right? I was a uh, date, like picnicking on the National Mall. You know, we, we got so lost talking. We lost track of time and so Metro closed. Uh, so we're talking about like, you know, 11, it's like past, it's going to be midnight um, and I wasn't going to, to catch it. So catch the Metro. So we decided to just walk back to Adams Morgan from the, from the mall. And as we're walking, we're walking up by the department of justice, these buildings that hold so much power, um, you know, the architecture of this city is really impressive, um, really on a par with you know, some of the great European cities, right? I think DC is one of those cities that like architecturally makes you want to look up and it's summer night and you're just kind of taking in the sights. But I got really quiet that whole walk because I was taking in that grandeur and that splendor of these buildings where all these levers of power are. 
but I was also seeing people like homeless individuals, people experiencing homelessness all around, like on the benches, you know, on the stoops. And to me, that was really impactful because it really, the, the stark dissonance between seeing that, all this power, all this capacity, all this potential to do good for people, but we still have homelessness. We still have displacement of people and communities. To me, it was really jarring. I think that encapsulates how I came to feel by becoming more civically engaged, which is that it really made me made me feel that much more adamant and passionate about working to improve conditions in this city. Because if we can't, if we can't guarantee like social safety nets for for for, for people for our very own in this city, how are we gonna do it for you know our countries? our country or, or, you know, the world, how are we going to actually change the world if we don't start right here? What would then be your recommendations for people who are looking to get more community involved, as well as people looking to just know their community more and as well as their neighbors more? Well, to know your neighbors better, um, I think there's no shortage. I think as we as we move and the world starts to open back up, um, there's going to be no shortage of opportunities, whether they be farmers markets or um, you know, like Adams Morgan has Adams Morgan Day, um, to go out and like meet the people who live on your block. That's a good first step. Start right there. I think um, supporting your local businesses creates that camaraderie, right? Like I, you want to go to, you're, you're willing to go out of your way to go to that little mom and pop coffee shop, not only because their coffee's great, but because they know your order, right? And they greet you like you're there every day. It's a great way to, to start to feel like somewhere is, is, is home. I think the next level of engagement then is look around you. What are things that you, you notice that perhaps aren't, um, don't feel right? Like, are you seeing an encampment of people experiencing homelessness and like that the cops are like always, you know, around the area? You know, what can you do to support that uh, encampment? You know, can you bring supplies? Can you write to your your council member and ask them to ask the police to like leave that community alone, to not displace that community? That's happening a lot here right now. You know, start with those things that you see, those tangible things that you see in your community. Um, I also, one big thing that I think it's it's worth mentioning is that if you live in Northwest, you live, you know, wards one, you know, two uh, onward, get, out of your bubble, go to Southeast, go to, go deep and go across the river, go mm-hmm. see the other parts of the city. One thing I really like to do is, um, well, pre-COVID, I used to, on Sundays, like to um, go to a different neighborhood, one I hadn't been to before, and just like take my camera, um, just kind of walk around the neighborhood just to get a feel for it. You know, stop in at a local um, coffee shop, check out, you know, bookstores, if there's any there, just get a pulse for a place so that you could better understand the identity of that little place. Because I think our wards and our neighborhoods reflect the different diasporas that live in DC. And if you're only in, you know, your your ward one bubble or, you know, your ward two bubble, um, you're only getting one version of DC. big thank you again to Paula and a thank you to our listeners for joining us today. 
Part two of Paolo's interview will be next week. If you are interested in being featured on a podcast, please reach out to us at comma or Instagram at comma Take care, everyone.